0: For me, the reflection at Easter is basically three questions. What just happened? What does it mean? And what do we do now? And I think for the last couple of Sundays, the readings have shifted us towards the last question of what do we do now? And I think it was the same questions for the apostles who experienced all of this firsthand. What just happened? What does this mean? And what do we do now? And in the readings this Sunday, The what-do-we-do-now focuses all towards, or moves us towards, Christian works. That we hear from St. Peter that we are God's own people, so that we may proclaim the mighty acts of him who called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. Or in our first reading from the Acts of the Apostles, we hear of the calling, the delegation, and the ordination of these men as deacons, for the ministry of service to the widows and to the sick. And then some words from Jesus about believe the works that I do. And this idea of Christian service as being central to who we are as Christians. But what makes Christian service different? You know, if we claim that there is something unique about the way in which we love as Christians, the way in which we serve, What is that? Because lots of people do good things in the world, right? If you take our Catholic schools and public schools, both raise money for charity. Both do acts of service. So what's different about being a Christian? Well, let me smush a few passages from scripture together for you and try to flesh out what that might be. Something we pray all the time. Father, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. The measure you give will be the measure that you get back. And we are one body and members one of another. And if one member suffers, all suffer. And if one is honored, all will be glad. For a Christian, service starts with the acknowledgement that it is always and everywhere a reciprocal relationship, even when it doesn't appear like a reciprocal relationship. See, charity and service for others is often focused on rectifying injustice, right? We help the poor because the poor have less and we have more. We need to balance out that inequality. And so we give from what we have for what they don't have. Or somebody is lonely and I am not, and so we balance out that injustice and these are all good things but the christian doesn't stop there because an example where most wouldn't go what about prisoners should we balance that injustice they're confined. no that's their rightful punishment for what they have done it's focused on justice but a christian doesn't stay at justice but goes further into mercy and love, which seeks equality, but equality on the level of our human dignity, which is rightfully every human person's belonging from the fact that we are made in the image and likeness of God. That our starting point in Christian service is always being willing and able to acknowledge that I am an equal with whoever I am serving because we are both created in the image and likeness of God. And that no matter what I can provide for them, that they cannot provide for themselves, this relationship will always be reciprocal. How? What do I mean by that? Well, take for example, visiting the elderly that are confined to a care home. What can they give me? Most of them don't have much money, they can't do any cooking anymore, and... They might not even have all their mental capacity to have a good conversation. So what can they offer me when I go and visit them and try to spend some time with them? They give me a witness of perseverance through years, through trials in life and still remaining faithful. They give me wisdom that comes through going through the different ebbs and flows of life. They give me a reminder of the frailty of human life, that I have to face in myself, but usually I avoid. But when I go and visit seniors, they reflect that back for me to remind me of the fact that I'm utterly dependent on others. Or take, for example, children. What can children really give us back? That they take way more than they can give. So what is the reciprocal nature of our relationship With children when we serve them and give for them. They are a constant reminder again that we are utterly dependent and our illusion of independence is just that, an illusion, that they remind us of the beauty of innocence before life tried and started to erode that in our minds and in our hearts and the unadulterated joy of a child. These are things that are reciprocal, that if we allow them to exist, every relationship, every act of service will always be reciprocal. All the way to the point where you take an easy example of Mother Teresa and how for her was serving the most destitute and the dying and the neglected reciprocal for her. I'm sure you've all heard, right? She describes how They showed her the face of Jesus. That's all they had to offer. The dying showed her Jesus. They revealed to her the presence of God through their sufferings and through their faith. The starting point for every Christian in service is that it is reciprocal. It is never an act of pity. And it never remains at the level of a kindness to somebody who doesn't have what they need? It's the acknowledgement that we are tied together. We are one body, and when one member suffers, all suffer. And when one has joy, we rejoice with them. Because I can only be forgiven insofar as I am willing to forgive others. And I am only capable of receiving what I require if I'm willing to, in turn, give it freely. That's the starting point for us as Christians. Not equality in justice, because that has a limit. The equality that comes from love and mercy has no limit. And that's what Jesus calls us to in Christian charity. Something that you can reflect on in our tradition, we have corporal and spiritual works of mercy. The corporal are probably more familiar because they come straight. From Jesus in a parable in the scriptures. The corporal works of mercy are feed the hungry, clothe the naked, visit the sick and the imprisoned, ransom the captive, and bury the dead. The spiritual works of mercy are instruct the ignorant, counsel the doubtful, admonish sinners, bear wrongs patiently, forgive offenses willingly, comfort the afflicted, and pray for the living. And the dead, and yes, even with those first few, to instruct the ignorant, to counsel the doubtful, and to admonish sinners, it starts from the place that this is reciprocal. I'm not giving them something that they don't have. I'm acknowledging the good that is there. And all of this is because of what Jesus says in the Gospel. When Philip asks him, show us the Father, what does Jesus say? He says all of these confusing words of the Father is in me and I am in the Father and the Spirit is here and blah, blah, blah. What is he saying? He tells Philip, the Father is in me and I am in the Father. But if that's too hard for you to understand and to believe, then at least believe the works. Believe the works that I do because what you see, what you have seen and what you have heard, reveals the truth that the Father is in me and I am in him. And that is intended to be the reality of the Christian. That we profess to believe as Christians that by baptism we have received the Spirit of God. That at every Eucharist we receive Christ, body, blood, soul, and divinity with us. That he is in us. And that because we hope in heaven, we hope that we are in him. That God is in us and we are in him. But if that doesn't make sense to the rest of the world, then let them believe in the works of God. That we do. Let the way in which we serve in the world that is intended to take on a Christian character be the testimony to what we actually believe as Christians. That's a hard thing to do. But that is not just something that we do on the side. It's intended to be our whole way of life. But what has happened in the society that we live in today? Too often, our charity and our service has become institutionalized, right? A lot of charitable works used to come out of the church from the goodness of the people that were here. But now, most of our social services have become institutionalized. What happens when that happens? It gets focused on justice, not equality of persons. Here's an example from my time downtown at the Basilica. There was a guy who would come often, who was on the streets, and was doing his best to try to get off the streets. So he went to where they have kind of a process of getting people into low-income housing and get them off to the streets. So he went there to start the application process. He had been sober long enough where they would allow him to come in, and so they asked him for his ID. Well, he didn't have ID. So he went to go and try and get ID so that he could get off the streets and get into housing. And so he went for ID and they said, what's your address? And he didn't have an address, so he couldn't get ID. And so they just said, can't do anything for you. Because it loses the quality of human persons. And it becomes institutionalized It becomes focused on creating a system of justice which is not bad but it's limited and as christians we do not limit the equality based on justice but part of the reason that we do that is when we get too large it becomes increasingly difficult for us to live that out and if i'm honest with all of you here our parish is basically right on that border of being too large to do that well. Because what happens in a parish that gets too large? The people wait for the institution, the church, to provide the opportunities for service. Now we'll wait to see what the parish comes up with, and then we'll become a part of that. But those of you that grew up in smaller parishes, is that the way that it worked? It was just the people who rose up and said, hey, there's a need in our community. How are we going to do something about it? And people banded together to fulfill that need in the community. This is what we need to do. You don't need me to do that. We are equal as Christians. You each have the ability, because you are in parts of the community where I am not. And by your placement in the community and you seeing the needs that exist, you have the ability to go, where is Christ's love needed? And then who am I going to bring in with me and how are we going to make it happen? We need to band together into smaller groups so that we can live out this Christian service as Christ has taught us. Because only in those intimate encounters can real Christian service take place? Can we truly reveal the Father by the way in which we serve others? So, my challenge to you this week, if you choose to accept it, is as we go through Easter, are you willing to reflect on if I believe that I am a Christian who is redeemed by the resurrection of Christ, what does that mean for me? And what does that mean in the way that I am called to live? And no matter what's your current state in life, what is God calling you to do? Where is he calling you to Christian service? Maybe that's just within your own family. Maybe it's within the four walls of your home. Maybe it's within the parish community. Maybe it's in the community at large. But as a Christian, it's not optional. It's not something we do as a pastime. It's a part of who we are. Now that can sound daunting because it's like I only have so much to give. But that's thinking about justice. When it's reciprocal, what is our limit? I don't say that to you as a guy who's figured that out. I am still on the level of justice. How much do I have to give? But if we allow grace to lead us to that awareness and realization that every time service will be reciprocal, what is the limit of Christian charity?